You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network, with Van Burnett and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everybody. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 122. Today is Thursday, November 16th. I'm Van Burnett, joined as always by Steve Giswelli. Steve, got an exciting show today, long list of pitcher names, and this was one we wanted to come back to after we analyzed the second half breakout hitters. This week we're looking at pitchers, and it feels timely, especially for me, because I am actually recording with Mr. Nick Pollock. Got to defend my mock draft picks. I listened to your show. It sound, sounded great, Steve. Uh, but yeah, always always great talking pitchers in the offseason, man. And uh, it's been a couple weeks since we've been able to hang out. So how's it going? Yeah, it's good. Uh, the long-awaited, long-promised second-half pitcher breakdown right i feel like we've been talking about this episode for a little while since we did the second half hitter i think towards the end of the season or maybe that was our first offseason episode um so this one felt a little overdue but also i think one of the things that we're better at um i know it comes with the caveat and uh, not to bury the lead or anything like that but there's a nice uh ryan bloomfield tweet about you know the the, this exercise last year, and there's there's a lot of hits, so it's a good exercise to do, but there's also some guys that just don't have it um, because it's such a small sample size, just using a, a, a half split. But I think there's, there's some things that go under the radar, and it's a good way to get ahead of ADP, especially early, um, if you look at some things that changed. And like we always say... Um, is there an actionable or, or reason or, or, or something to back up those changes, whether it's a pick, change in pitch, pitch mix, an uptick in stuff plus, um, a new pitch, something like that. So we try to back those interesting numbers up with results that we could actually believe in or, or processes that we could actually believe in. So excited to break it down. Yeah, I think another fun part about this is uh, the mock draft is in the rear view at this point. So again, you guys should be checking out the the Pitcher List podcast on the corner where Nick's talking through each manager. Steve, again, nice job with yours. It's always the ultimate hot seat with Nick. And we've, you know, we're on the record as well on times where Nick has not loved some of our picks that have panned out. So, you know, there's still the, the element of unknown, but... Uh, it, it, when we go through each of these pitcher names, we'll also mention for the listeners what draft pick they went in that mock draft just to start to contextualize. I mean, that's also not, you know, set in stone ADP. I think uh, there's some some biases. I, I would guess, Steve, and, and let me know if you agree, that the pitcherless mock draft that we did that we'll be citing throughout the, the show probably will fade pitching early pitching more 100%. than the industry I, I think, will because think we pitchers, kind of all go on that playbook yeah yeah i think all around um these adps or, or this the pick number that we're going to use is going to be a little depressed um i think that's the case in general for any early adps uh i think pitcher stock move just just yeah. move up um especially as big money leagues come in uh, main events start happening and the whole fantasy baseball industry gets into draft mode. I think pitchers just generally move up, uh, you know, to look at a, a macro picture of like the ADP economics. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, pitchers ADP rises from November to, to March. Um, but I think it's going to be especially exaggerated. I'll pull up, uh, there is some ADP data already for, for 2024, believe it or not. I'll okay. pull that yeah, up that'd be, that would be good to know. It. For so, sure. For sure. Um, we'll do that. Yeah. Too. Gotta love it. Well, we got a ton of names to get to, and we've kind of broken them up according to at least where they went in that pitchless mock draft. So, we're starting here, Steve, with the upperclassmen. And again, th- this is looking at pitchers who kind of had big second halves. Um, and, and some of these are expected, right? Especially in the upperclassmen, these are the studs, more or less, uh, people that you view as your ace. So the first one we're looking at is Mr. Corbin Burns, who, if you were a manager or just a, a fantasy baseball player who kind of switched off midway through the season, you might be holding on to the narrative that Corbin Burns was pretty disappointing uh, from being what was pretty much like SP2 or 3 last year in, in draft season. The first half of the year, he had a 394 ERA with a 114 whip, just really not what you're looking for. And most shockingly, had uh, less than a strikeout per inning. But in the second half, Steve, the ERA dropped from 394 down to 271 over 86 innings, during which he had 98 strikeouts, so well over a strikeout per inning. And the whip dropped as well from 114 to .98. So very good results-wise for Corbin Burns. Uh, you know, now seems like the the veteran up at the top, but just age 29. Um, this was kind of a little topsy-turvy from, from what we signed up for, but you love the breakout. What were you seeing under the hood, if anything, or was it just kind of luck turning around in his favor? Um, I went into a deep dive with Nick on this in my mock draft because I took him, uh, Corbin Burns, in the fourth round in our mock draft. Um, there's no way he is going to last to, to the fourth round uh, in like any draft going forward. He is the SP... I guess three technically because the NFPC ADP has Otani listed as a pitcher, but uh, he's going 27th overall um, behind Strider and Cole as far as pitchers, right before Castillo, Wheeler, and Gaussman. Um, and, and I think I, I you know, it, it's pretty bunched up there. There, there's SP four to eight, all, all within 27 to 40. Um, it's a tough, um, including Gallon uh, as the 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 five pitchers there um from from four to eight or the four pitchers there from four to eight mm-hmm. um and, and I could see an argument for any one of them I think I would lean Burns because he has been you know and has a track record of being the best pitcher in baseball um for you know two years like two and a half years um. Sure, there were some probably right there with Cole. Cons- I would imagine, yeah, yeah, right up for there, sure. Though. Yes, yes, one or two. Uh, you know, if he didn't go one one year, Cole went, and vice versa. Um, Cole definitely has a longer mm-hmm. track record, though. There definitely was some concerns. The swing strike rate dropped by three percent. Um, just the overall PLV metric stuff metrics on all of his pitches were weren't as good. Um, you know the cutter and the the curveball uh, wasn't as good. Um, that said, he still led all pitchers in baseball and, and stuff plus in the second half. Um, you gave the second half splits; they were much better. Uh, and I think that if there is any bit of depression on his price, like you had to pay a first or second round pick 
for Corbin Burns the last two, three years. If you don't have to do that, I think it could be a value. If you can get him in the third or the fourth, if for whatever reason he does fall, if your league does fade pitching a little bit. Um, like I had no intention whatsoever to take Corbin Burns in our mock draft, but he was sitting there at what, 58th overall, something like that. Um, and I basically couldn't pass him up. So uh, that's my overall view on him. I just think that the key with Burns is just because it wasn't an SP1 season, it was more an SP5 to 10 maybe overall, uh, don't bump him down too much because the track record is so good and the floor I think is super, super high. Yeah, it's kind of tough to see what changed from first half to second half, just kind of throwing stuff out between like the walk rate, the pitch mix, the the velo. So I would have to imagine that some of it was just plain luck, but even looking at... regression, yeah. Yeah, looking at some of the matchups, just kind of like combing through, I guess in the in the second half he had a fair dose of like uh, the Reds, the Nationals, the Pirates a few times. Um, the Yankees, who obviously were different, the the White Sox. So maybe it was around opponents. Um, I don't want to oversimplify, but yeah, it's just kind of curious because the the splits themselves are pretty drastic. Um, so yeah, I would I would kind of guess just from looking at everything that it was just kind of regression, like you said. Um, but yeah, I don't know how much you want to read into to Burns. I mean. I think I'm where you're at, Steve, which is neither one of us are going to prioritize like targeting or reaching for a top end arm. But it's kind of like I was talking about for Kevin Gossman this year, that if if one of these, you know, elite arms slips a little bit and, and they fall to like mid 40s or 50s, I'm all in. I just don't think that they're going to if the ADP is already at 27 because. That's that's too rich for what you're gonna invest, right? For any SP one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. th- there wasn't much change in the picks, Mitch. He did, you know, bump up the cutter usage in the second half a bit. Um, there was a little bit less usage of the curveball. Um, so it, it, it it's it's nothing crazy. It's very subtle. Um, mm-hmm. The changeup went down. He bumped up the slider usage, which is always interesting and nice to see, you know, if there's any guy that could retool. I know uh, Burns sort of broke out when he discovered, like, that cutter and got away from his fastball, but if he could, like, develop, like, an elite slotter somehow, uh, maybe that could have, like, a, a resurgence to an SP, SP1, which I don't think is likely, but I still think that, or, like, SP1 overall, mm-hmm. but I still think he'll definitely be an, a fantasy ace, um, and that just... You know the the second half stuff sort of plays out. Uh, yeah, for me, like Corbin Birds had the second the best the best stuff in baseball in the second half. That's shouldn't be surprising to anyone. No, yeah, you're you're right, and and I mean it's it it's pretty clear when you look at actual batted ball stuff. Like the the fly ball rate went down in the second half. The barrel rate went down in the second half. So he was getting the results. He must have just been kind of sequencing and hitting hitting his spots better. Because yeah. Uh, there were subtle tweaks, but big differences. Well, let's keep rolling on the upperclassmen to Blake Snell. And I got to I gotta clear my throat because I'm going to have to defend this one against Nick as well, who hates Blake Snell. 
um, who had a wild season with, uh, you know, pretty much top three strikeouts in the league, but also the the most walks among starting pitchers in the league. Uh, the second half for Snell was incredible on the surface with 102 strikeouts over 82 innings, a 154 ERA, but the 115 whip thanks to a 15% walk rate. Pretty wild season from from Snell and, and reading kind of like the Cy Young articles, just like brushing up. There are so many historic stats about how Snell, you know, was like one walk away from being the second player ever to have 200 walks in a season. Just like wild stats like that. Just looking at it, Steve, because Snell did start a little bit slower. It all looked pretty good, but the second half looked way better. Of course, there's some regression here. His hit luck numbers are are high. The BABIP's a, lot, a little high. The uh, the left on base rate is, is sky high, which also had some interesting stuff compared to his last Cy Young season when he basically had the same anomaly left on base rate, which kind of called into question, like if it's the seventh best and eighth best in the history of baseball, is he actually just really good at pitching out of, out of jams? All that said, um, I went back and was just looking at what about Snell looked a little different in the second half. It's tough to say because things really clicked in starting in June. Um, and his fastball, fastball velocity increased a little bit in that in that time and that's also when he dropped the usage under 50 percent for the first time in his career so really letting that change up the curveball more than anything which really turned back into one of the best pitches in baseball this year uh curveball change up and slider all were able to be thrown over half of the time compared to the fastball so yeah very interesting i grabbed him at 48th as my sp1 that's way ahead of again where where nick's SP rankings are, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on Snell, who's now pretty much done a season and a half of, you know, top five, top 10 easily pitching and what his ADP is. And if you're any interested or if you're interested at all, if he, if he drops a bit. Yeah, I could see me taking Snell as my first pitcher off the board. If I, uh, you know, want to dip my toe into the starter realm a little bit earlier if I felt I needed to. Um, a lot of this, I think, as far as what backs up his second half breakout, and it's more, like you said, a June on breakout if we just bumped up the splits uh, a few more starts. Uh, he talked about how he basically did not have the feel for his slider. Um, I believe in an interview with, I believe it was Eno Saris of The Athletic, um, he basically said, I didn't have my slider the first two months of the year, and then he found it and it led to a Cy Young season. Um, that said, without his slider, he found the changeup, had the curveball going, added fastball velocity, and you know when all of those things click, and then he got his slider back, it led to a Cy Young season. Um, that said, the only thing being cautious is obviously other than the the walk rate, which was still crazy, crazy high. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've seen Snell over rely on a bad changeup. Um, before it was not bad this year, it was good this year. Um, but who knows what to say with someone who's a who's a tinkerer like that? Um, but yeah, when it all clicks for Snell, um, he's a Cy Young winner. He's obviously won it twice. When it doesn't, he is sometimes a guy that is dropped. Uh, but 
also Almost a guy Dylan's, that's picked Dylan's up in a, in a league winner, right? Two year, two years ago, right? <laughs> right? He was he was dropped in in June All Star break by a lot of teams, and then had you know basically a continuation of of, of this season in the second half of twenty twenty two, right? Like we talk about if we did when we did this exercise last year, like Snell was a poster boy, um, you know, uh, and and it paid off if you paid attention to that. So uh, just keep that in mind. There is. A lot of there's there's probably more risk like you know if there's a toss up maybe go with the guy with a a, a lower walk rate if you have a more volatile starting pitcher or maybe you don't want to go with Snell as your first pitcher off the board uh, now I'm kind of talking myself out to, out of it because there is that risk um, when it comes with walks and if you get a little bad luck um, with left on base or, or home of the fly ball. When you walk thirteen percent of the guys, it's a lot. There's there's a lot more damage that could be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably a better roto guy just because then it, it'll all balance out versus definitely, like the, the, definitely. the cherry bomb ace that could that could tank a week. Um, definitely, but yeah, great it, call. I think it's interesting. And then he he will also be um, he might not be on the Padres, and the Padres actually mm-hmm. had good defense, so that'll be. That'll be something to watch very closely. I think good place, in to, good place to, the to pitch too. Yeah. Yes, good p- place to pitch, and we've talked about that. Ruben Niebla, who came over from the Guardians, and he was the one who was kind of confidently talking about Snell's approach with the walks being okay and developing the the other pitches. So yeah, it's actually maybe one of the reasons I'm most nervous is if he were to move. Uh, I don't know where it would where the landing spot would be. The Cardinals certainly need pitching. The Mets. Neither one of those would be bad, but I'm sure there's some landing spots out there that would be rough compared to to San Diego. Um, so anyway, speaking of uh, former Rays, we, we got to go next to a guy who got picked 10 picks later in our mock draft, and it's Tyler Glasnow. A future Glasnow's, former Ray. A future former Ray. Uh, so is he a free agent or is he just trade, trade block? Do we know? Trade block and... All of the reports are basically, you know, all but guaranteeing that Glassnell will be on the move this offseason. Mm, yeah, I don't even want to get my hopes up that he would he would come to the Cardinals. Yeah, Love Glassnell. As someone as pitcher thirsty <laughs> as you uh, in, in your in your Cardinals fandom, uh, a lot of these guys breakout, you're going dude. to be uh, you're going to be you're going to be uh, fiending for. Yep, and and Glasnow is one of my. It might have been the year before we started WAF, Steve, when Glasnow had that breakout year, yep, and I yep. had many a share. So I I've got a soft spot for Glasnow, but um, he carries risk different than Snell, and that you still you know you just got a, a great season out of him, and it was 120 innings, which I know it wasn't like stop start like we've seen in the past. He was able to stay on the field, but he still hasn't really proven like the 160 150 consistently um that said we got to talk about his his production because he came back and looked really bumpy the walk rate was kind of high i think it was in uh the month of may i want to say his walk rate was up to 11 percent, and then he got that down to like a six or seven percent um and the results were gravy in the second half 78 innings 98 strikeouts a 322 era a 101 whip and yeah, that that walk rate ended up being just a six point eight percent in the second half with a thirty one point seven percent strikeout rate. So 
Man, when Glass now is going, uh, he's no longer even just two pitch. He, he's now got the, kind of the two and a half pitches. And I'm a big fan, Steve. I just don't know on volume. Curious uh, what you're seeing with Glass now here. And are we collectively buying that Glass now is an ace, which is where we'll have to draft him next year? He pitched 120 innings last year. That was his career high. Wow. Because it must have been like the COVID season when he he, he went the distance, but it was only 60 games or something. Yeah, uh, 57 innings in in, in 2020. Um, So, yeah, his full season was the COVID season. Other than that, I mean, that, that 2019 when he broke out, it was it was 60 innings. Um, and yep, got hurt. Got hurt. Uh, so, yeah, it's exciting. I love Glass now. He's probably by ADP, which is currently uh, 48. He is the 14th pitcher. Um, I think like 11th, uh, 9th, 10th starter uh off the board i'm just trying to filter out the relievers and otani uh-huh. here um like i would be all over that like i love tyler glass now as my first pitcher um, he is 30 stuff. years old so now yeah. it's like it's just you're not holding as on big him. of a as big as a red flag for injury that there could be basically like other than like standard year Degrom, but like yeah he's like he's like Fourth round to Grom, right? Like that. That's kind of just what it is. Does it's, his? Here's a weird question. Does his stock say? Let's just let's dream on this for a second. Say Glass now goes to the St. Louis Cardinals, Steve. Mm-hmm. Does his stock move up because of innings and you know losing the raise factor and it's not the Mets, so he won't get injured, or does <laughs> it go down because it's no longer the Rays and they've got the magic wand with any pitcher? Yeah, and then also if he's there's, I feel like there's always like a little bit of hype if it with a big blockbuster trade like that, um, if it was like the Cardinals in such a pitcher friendly environment. Mm-hmm. Um, Crappy division. The, Cardinal, the Cardinals haven't like developed their own pitchers, but they've been pretty good with like acquiring some. Like you know, uh, Jordan Montgomery was pretty good for them. Yeah, uh, I could only imagine how good a guy with Tyler Glass now stuff would be. And and speaking of that, he was. Uh, sixth in stuff plus in the second half, um, over seventy two innings. Uh, so wow, really good. Um, so we're buying as we're big buying of an the injury- talent. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, just I, not I, buying in. I'm a sucker for this. Like I, you know, I kind of would throw that out the window. I guess uh, I don't know, right or wrong. Maybe you would need to back that up, like with a with another pitcher, sort of close, like a more reliable, like if. I don't know if you could somehow double tap on like Luis Castillo, Tyler Glass yeah. now, or, or even Tyler, a Kirby, Tyler Glass now. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe not Blake Snell, but like a Logan Gilbert or something like that. Like someone yeah. who's less injury prone. Kirby Gilbert, somebody yeah. who's got a high floor for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I'm I'm on board with that, and it's worth noting. Probably a great best ball one because I think we both love the player, and he could be a league winner if he stays healthy. So. Uh, Speaking of, uh, Freddie Peralta put up some league-winning stats in the second half. Uh, he got drafted 76th in our pitcherless mock draft. Honestly, Steve, it feels a little late. Um, Freddie had, a, in the second half, a 36.3% K rate, 
highest among any starter and a, just a 5.6% walk rate uh, translated to 103 strikeouts in 73 and two thirds innings, a 2.81 ERA and a 0.88 WHIP. He was lights out, uh, and Woodruff came back. It was part of that Brewers run. Um, probably most impressive is that the velo was constantly on the rise for Freddie all year, uh, and it seems like he finally got the walks in check a little bit. Um, and Peralta's velocity. He's also got very, very uh, standout extension. So his like 94 to 96 jump is a much bigger deal than, than other pitchers. So uh, thoughts on Freddie, Steve? Did we do we buy in? Because he had kind of a bumpy first half before this. Do we buy into Freddie being like a bona fide ace? Or is this another one that we're being too cautious on for, for our SB1? Uh, no, I, I really like... I really like Freddie Peralta a lot for next year. Um, there was a, 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 a noticeable pitch mix change. He bumped down the slider usage, increased the changeup usage. The changeup usage was actually his second most used pitch, um, basically from August on. Um, and then he also upticked his curveball usage um, in June and July. That went back down in September, but it was only a few, uh, I think, two starts in September, three starts in September. Um, could be wrong on that, but, um, yeah, I, I think that there was clearly something off in, in, in the first half with him that kind of, I think, I think people faded him too hard. Uh, I think he was probably a great buy low candidate in the first half. Um, and for the good portion of, you know, the last three seasons, Peralta has been a really, really useful um, fantasy player, right? His, his ERA was like well above four for the first two, three months of the season, right? Um, mm-hmm. And he did a really good job to bring that down to to three eighty six, a respectable number. Um, I mean, just in twenty twenty one, he had a two eighty one ERA in twenty eight games, um, over one hundred forty four innings. So, uh, I, I I think that. There is a longer track record than most people think with Peralta. I know he got hurt in 2022, only pitched seven in, yeah. 78 innings. Yeah. So there is that, but I mean, it, that, it, that's probably... it's a much better it's a much better track record than Glass now, as far as oh yeah. Pitch and right? I was just about to say, probably the most impressive thing that you can say about his entire awesome season is that he threw 165, 165 innings. 165 innings, yeah. Sure, uh, maybe maybe that'll. You know, prevent maybe because of that he won't have an ERA under three, but I still think it could be mid threes, low threes with well over a strikeout per inning. He had 210 strikeouts in 165 innings. This is like, you know, uh, Christian Javier season from 2023, just I think maybe with um, more sustainable um, pitch metrics, just, you know, better velo, uh, doesn't rely on yeah. like super super wonky extension even though he has that um i think he might have a little bit more than than what javier was relying on essentially Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i I misspoke too the the velo jumped on the fastball from uh, 2022 he was at 92.6 miles per hour on the fastball and this past year he was at 94.4 miles per hour so yeah he was hurt only yeah yeah 
Yeah, and he, so the velo's up, and that's kind of the critical range. And on top of that, like I said, his extension is elite. So, um, yeah, I, I'm all systems go for Freddie. Did you have pulled he's, up? What he's his... like Christian. He's like Christian Javier. That like when Javier like maintains his good velocity, like was very good. Javier, yes. like ninety four, ninety five. Like that's where Freddie Peralta is when he's healthy yeah. and was healthy this year. And we've known the name for a minute, but he's he's still just 27, and he doesn't have yeah. that much mileage because he's just been hurt often. So, um, yeah, it's funny. Javier's on his uh, similar pitchers as well, Steve. Definitely. Uh, can you pull up what his ADP is beyond uh, where he went in pitcherless? Because I would bet 76 is much later than what than he what is going 61st overall. Um, the 20th pitcher, but that includes some relievers. So probably like the 15th or 14th starter. This might be my, uh, my Kevin Gossman of this year. If, if that's like the, um, if that's, I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I kind of like that. Okay. I'm with you. All right. Well, we are moving on to the middle class in a minute. We got a handful of pitchers, but we're going to take our first ad break and we'll be right back. All right, so Steve, we probably got to turn the the dial up on speed on these a little bit because this is the mighty middle class where we've got about a half dozen guys here. Very exciting names. Uh, this one actually went before Freddie Peralta. I just couldn't categorize him in that ace group because honestly, it hasn't sunk in yet that Tarek Skubal went 67th in our league and... Coming back from injury, we basically saw a pitcher that we've never seen before. I know we've talked in the past, Steve, about Scooball and liking his stuff. Uh, he's kind of gone in and out of being an industry darling. But when he came back for 72 innings, he had 91 strikeouts, a 311 ERA, and a .94 whip. All that with a 4.3% walk rate. Um, wow. Uh, what can we say about Scooball? Do you think this is the real deal? And... Uh, anything under the hood that we can talk about from uh, what he changed, I would say in the second half, but I think we only saw him in the second half. Yeah. This yeah. Year. We, we really, we really only saw him in the second half. Um, he's been a polarizing player. I've seen some interesting debates um, on Twitter about him. Just, you know, the fact that he's due for uh, a little bit of, a little bit of regression. Um, it was a small sample. He's been hurt a lot. Um, he's on a team that might not get a lot of wins. Therefore, you know, there, there's, you know, uh, I saw a few people throwing around the fact that, uh, if you're not on, it's hard to be an, an SP five, if you're not on a team that is going to be able to get you, um, a good amount of wins because that's, you know, an important category, even though the stat is somewhat flawed, right? In, in a the Tigers are getting better yeah, too. They're, they're getting better. And he still had, he was so good that he had seven wins in his, 15 starts last year. So, right, if he, you, you prorate that out, if he gets 30 starts, that's 14 wins. That's more than enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like he had a crazy high left on base percentage. It was actually pretty bad, right? It was, it was 67, 67%. Um, you'd think that would go go up. The homer fly ball was low, but, I mean, he pitches in a, in a, pitcher's, in a pitcher's park. Um, the fastball velocity was up, like the swing strike at 15%. All the stack ass metrics look amazing. All the wow. stuff plus numbers look amazing. <sighs> I, 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 I don't know. Like Freddie Peralta and Tariq Skubal, like those are, these are guys that I want as my SP ones. Um, he's going a little bit before Peralta over at NFBC. 
um, fifty nine. Wow, which is yeah, the eighteenth pitcher overall. The velo jumping from ninety four to ninety six on this one. Yep. That's probably where that was in my brain. Mm-hmm. And then the ground ball rate rose as well, pretty significantly from forty seven percent in twenty twenty two up to fifty two percent, which is eighty seventh percentile. So, yeah, I think scooball. I don't know, man. Like on one hand, I really do. I've I've always been one who's like taken some shots and stashed them and had some shares. I just I don't know if I'm ready to go this pricey, like uh, ahead of of Freddie Peralta, who I feel like we've seen multiple seasons. Um, who are some other names? I mean, I guess we got them coming right up. But in, in that area, um, I mean, Glass yeah. now goes at 48, but then there's a you know uh, a little bit of a drop off to Pablo Lopez, uh, but right around him is Aaron Nola, Tariq Skubal, Freddie Peralta, Framber Valdez. Um, Blake Snell, mm. then like Yuri Perez uh, at 67. Yeah, I'm taking Snell and Freddie over him, um, but then he might be right after that. I mean, Pablo for sure, but I think Pablo's already going. Yeah, a, a yeah, he, he's he's uh, he's basically around ahead of ADP. Uh, six, six, seven picks. That's just, I, I don't know that I'd have the warm and fuzzies leaving a draft with Scooball as my SP1. I think um, I would do it. I think I would. Okay. Do it. All right. Maybe I'm just being a, a crusty conservative. I, I just on this don't one. see. I just don't see any red flags. There's there's four pitches that he throws twelve percent of the time or more. Um, all of them get uh, good whiffs. Um, the changeup gets amazing whiffs. Slider gets good whiffs. Um, like it's it's just good good stuff all around like I, I i don't see any reason what could go backwards. other than other than the track record well that's yeah I mean, that's definitely but where he at. also threw 150 innings in 2021 so his slider um, doesn't get great it's not like for as sliders go it doesn't yeah get it's with. it's more it's more the fastball change, change up yeah um, fastball change slider's a bit nice. of a, a bit of a show me pitch yeah i mean he's he still yeah decent as far as batting average and actually underperformed it's it's xba um and the walk so. rate's gotten better every single year so yeah. you got to give them credit there i don't know that it's going to stay at a 4.5 percent that's that's kirby-esque but and um, looking at the at the pitch mix change he bumped up the fastball usage bumped up the change up usage yeah and bumped down the slider usage which you know that's is good if it's not that's as, good yeah there yeah. are your very better pitches more I'll say this mental note. He is definitely a watch the the fastball velocity in spring because that's one thing that I think like sure his fastball got a lot better. So it also gained two ticks of velo. So I would love to, to feel like I'm getting the same fastball if I'm choosing him as an SP one. So yeah, that's, it's interesting though. This is, this is going to be a name we've all got to make a decision on because yeah, uh, in case you missed it, Tarek Skubal is an SP1. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so moving right after him, we got Grayson Rodriguez, Steve. And uh, talk about the tale of two seasons. Grace, Grayson was the one of two names, right? Because we were all in on uh, your boy, Andrew Painter. That didn't work mm-hmm. out for us, unfortunately, with the injury. But Grayson was the other one 
that going into the season, we were all kind of patiently waiting. We thought he was going to take the league by, by storm. And he was terrible when he came up. Uh, he had like a seven ERA. He got sent back down to the minors. He ditched a cutter, which I read, which uh, seems like it was definitely part of it. And also kind of figured out his fastball velocity while he was down in AAA. And second half uh, looked like a completely different pitcher. And as advertised, an ace. 76 innings, 73 strikeouts, a 110 whip, and a 258 ERA. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez was Nick Pollock's, was it SP1? SP1. Not overall, in his mock draft, he was his his SP1. Yeah, he was the first pitcher Um, taken by by, by Nick Pollock. So I would love to hear where his ADP is and just your overall thoughts on Grayson, because talk about a little name tax as we get closer to draft season. Fourth stuff, best stuff plus in the second half for for Grayson. Um, wow, yeah, uh, absolutely ridiculous stuff. Um, his curveball had a one sixty three stuff plus in the second half. That's uh, pretty nutso. Um, doesn't throw it that much, but still really still, good when he does. Um, yeah, all of the pitches that he threw, you know, any amount of time had above average, well above average stuff also. All above 120, which is crazy. Um, it really couldn't have gone worse for him in the first half, and then it couldn't have gone better uh, in the second. I don't I don't know if I have as much confidence, as I, honestly, as I do um, with, with Scooball. Uh, as I do for Grayson, mm-hmm. just because there has been those up and downs. Sure, there were there were there was those adjustments, um, and yeah, he started throwing uh, his fastball more, which is good as it gained velocity. He threw it more um, uptick in that sl- in the in the slider and changeup usage. Uh, yeah. Ditched that cutter, which is great. Uh, slider got a lot better yeah. on on swing and miss got a lot stuff better in the swing and half. miss too as it went on. So his pitches, the pitches that he got better at. Increased usage, like that is good. Um, I I don't have a problem with it, but I think I might have him, and maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong here. Um, I might have him towards the back end of that group. Um, I might have him above like Snell though, just because I I'm concerned about Snell's walks and Grayson doesn't have or didn't have that big of a problem in the second half with walks uh, overall. So. Um, I like him a lot, and and maybe I, I'm just a little bit, you know, worn off or, or, you know, cooled off by the fact that he didn't have, like, an elite, elite strikeout rate. Um, mm-hmm. A swing strike rate was 12%. That's good, not amazing. Um, but I can only see that getting better as mm-hmm. he kind of goes through this development process, like, right before our eyes, like, it was just kind of all of it happened in one year last year too, right? Like you saw yeah, the, the bad growth, and the so, good, yeah, all yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at like his month, month over month, the slider, for instance, throughout the month of April had a, a spin rate of like a 2310 RPMs. And by September that, that jumped from 2310 up to 2464. Um, so like, Big big gains, and then on the fastball in April was 
sitting at 96.1. In August, it was at 98.3. So two full ticks. And then in September, 97.3. He's so, I mean, he has even bigger extension than Freddie Peralta with the six foot front. Yeah, with how big he is. Yeah, Yeah, so uh, I guess my question is going to come down to like volume and what what we can expect. It is kind of interesting that even with them kind of jerking him around, he still had 122 innings last big, year. Yeah, that's just and then 44 innings at AAA. So so uh, 41. So, so he had 100 like he is full go. 163 full go with the Orioles. Um yeah, I want to game log him and see like did he ever like when it clicks, did he did he register yeah, like double digit he, K's he, had, or he had a double he had a he had a one or two of those at least. Um I had him or I have him in the keeper league, which I'm pretty excited about. Actually it was kinda like five, Spread seven, 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 yeah. seven. Yeah, there wasn't See, an and I don't like that. Total. I think that yeah, yeah I, yeah, I that, like that was one of the things I loved about like when we were talking Justin Steele last off season yep. is he had like six ten strikeout games and I love seeing, you know, when it's dialed in for somebody that they can He go had nuts, a nine but... strikeout game uh in April. Uh in April. so okay. kinda close to when he, before when he was struggling. He was sent down. Yeah. He had like five yeah. more starts and then was sent down after that. Um, okay. But and what's his ADP? Do you have to go this expensive? His ADP is sorry, great radio here. Uh, it is seventy-one, so like the next tier down from 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 there. Okay. Pretty close, pretty close. And All for right. for context, there's been twenty-seven drafts, and I believe most of these have been draft champions, so like draft and hold stuff. Gotcha. Okay. Well, there's Grayson. I think we've got an off season to figure out where we land on him. I would be uh, on the fence as an SP one. I would feel great if he was an SP two yeah, who could agree. end up being a top agree. five. Maybe uh, sure. maybe double tap with with, yes. with this. Uh, with I like this that. Section. And then it's a little insurance if you do go Scooble. Like if you go Mm -hmm. Scooble Grayson. Or even like Peralta Grayson or or Snell Grayson. Love that that build. Okay, let's shift over to Kodai Sanga, who kind of got robbed on a a Rookie of the Year campaign uh, as the Mets were offloading all their pitching. In the second half, Sanga uh, turned in just an insane run, which, to be honest, Steve, was lost on me. I just kind of missed how amazing yeah, he, he was, was in the second half. You're much closer to it, but yeah, 76 and two thirds innings in the second half and 80 or 89 strikeouts uh, over that time at 258 ERA, which I believe only trailed Blake Snell and a 115 whip. Uh, the walks are a little bit higher, but the strikeouts are there. Um, he's talked about wanting to tinker in the off season Curious uh, what you saw from Sanga and, and what your thoughts are on Sanga, who went just a single pick after Grayson Rodriguez in our mock draft. Yeah, the ADP is close for him, too. Um, he is uh, six picks behind Grayson, uh, one one pitcher in between Logan Webb. Uh, I think I would rather have Sanga than both of those guys. In fact, most of the guys above him up until like Freddie Peralta Scooble for me, just because the strikeout upside is so, so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he struck out 29% of the batters he faced a 12.5% swing strike rate. Um, everything sort of improved as the year went on. Sure. There definitely was some decent luck involved in an ERA under three. 
Um, his left on base percentage was 80%. Um, homer to fly ball was. Um, why don't I have it up? It usually is in my my eleven point six percent. So nothing too too lucky. Um, but I I think just once he got used to like pitching with this ball, pitching in this league, like he figured everything out. Um, and and like you said with those splits, uh, it just I mean, you know the the nine point six walk walk rate is much more palatable than the overall 11% um, in the second half. And sure, it, it was a little bit of a dip in strikeout rate, but um, not too much. And, and I'm happy to 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 live with the 89 Ks and, and 76 innings. And I think the strikeout upside is probably the highest for like any one of the guys that we've talked about. Uh, maybe other than Scooble, I don't know. Uh, but and in this mushy middle is what I'm saying. Uh, oh yeah, these I guys, think yeah, I think I would I think I would be all over Senga as my my first pitcher. Um, I know most people might not be comfortable with wow. that, but okay, I think I would be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm making up my mind as I go here, but I definitely think this is a this is a grouping. Like just off the, you know, it's it's no accident to me that they're all within like 10 picks from, from the draft. And Mm -hmm. I like this group a lot as a very high ceiling SP two. I am not sure sure if, if I'm going to feel, I like, I like, I like this next grouping. I like this next group as my high ceiling SP two. SP two. We're we're just like one. Yeah. We're one. We're one one tier. Yeah. We're one tier away. Now here's what I do like about Sanga is even though the walk rate was high, which to me says there there's room for him to improve, right? From an eleven percent walk rate, I would love to see where what he did, uh, like if that's been something that's followed him around his whole career. But um, the eleven percent walk rate could come down, and even if it doesn't, what's what's nice is when you see that you think he's an inefficient pitcher, right? Is he is it impacting volume? But he he had twenty nine starts and one hundred and sixty six innings. So that's like an average innings per start of 5.73. So that's actually really good. So I'm thinking if he goes, you know, a, a couple extra starts, uh, does not have the walks issues, suddenly that 202 strikeouts could be 220, 230 because he goes 180 innings or something instead of 166. Um, so, yeah, I, I like Sanga the whip is the bugaboo here with the walk rate and the 122 whip is actually beyond league average, but yeah, with the 298 ERA and that many strikeouts, it's kind of like a mini Blake Snell here. Uh, so who cares? So yeah, I, I do like saying, uh, um, I think the Mets will be better and yeah, I like this group in general. So Talk to me. Let's shift gears to Cole Reagan. Senga, feel like, real yeah, quick. Yeah, go ahead. Senga pitched into the seventh inning seven times last year. All of them came after May 30th. Ooh, I like that. See, and that's where, again, like that that volume, you know what I mean? Is Because the, the K rate's there as it is, but when you add the volume, because he's age 30, so there's no kid gloves with Sanga, even though he's, you know, has the allure of being, you know, a rookie, uh, or at least was just a rookie. But 
yeah, he could be really a sneaky 180 innings guy that that gets to 20. On, on he went. Counts. He went five. He went five or at least five innings in all but three of his starts. I love that. I love the volume there. Okay, well, talk to me about Cole Reagan, Steve. Let's uh, and, we we could we could sort of group these guys together. I think the, the yeah these next four, the next four. Okay, so let's do. We got Cole Reagan's who got who got picked at a hundred. We got Bobby Miller who got picked at one hundred seven. We got Kyle Bradish who we've talked about a few times at one nineteen. And then I think those three are kind of in a bunch. The, sure, the, the, sure. The wild card at the end here, the mighty middle, is Michael King, who ended up starting to get some starts, and he got he got picked at one thirty eighth. I think he's supposed to be in the rotation, right, Steve, for yeah. the Yankees? Yeah. Oh my gosh! And a thirty three percent strikeout rate for Michael King. Um, I think it's just a question of volume and and holding on to like the walk rate and everything, but. Yeah, Reagan's Bobby Miller, Bradish, and Michael King. Talk to me about this group. It is a very exciting group for an SP two or an SP three. Um, I think Bobby Miller is like going to become a, like the next Dodgers superstar pitcher. Um, just has all the tools. It was fifth and second half stuff plus. Um, you know, kind of had the ups and downs a little bit. Um, even like when he came up, like there wasn't as much fanfare just because he wasn't as good AAA last year in the minors. Um, you know, there, I remember there, he struck out Otani in spring of 2022 with like a hundred mile an hour fastball at the letters, and the world went crazy. And he kind of was disappointed last year, and some of the hype went away. But I, I just think that this guy is primed to take the next step. Like he doesn't have any of the walk issues that like. Sango or Snell have, mm-hmm. um, you know, he has the stuff to be uh, a, a better strikeout picture. As the year got on, he got better. Um, I just think that Bobby Miller is super, super exciting, despite how much we talked about Reagan's and how he was a league winner for a lot of teams and how much Nick loves him. Um, and no, no slight on British or, or King too. I'm just probably the most excited for Miller of this group. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he the, throws the, mar- the market is too, he is going. Yeah. And I've heard 94th I've, yeah, overall. It's definitely. Yeah. I think, uh, wait, 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 what, what's the ADP? I miss that. 94th. I think, uh, Oh, that'll move because back. we use clicky draft. It was kind of, he kind of just got forgotten. Uh, and right. one of seventh. Um, like I, I told, like I took Verlander a few picks for him. I would definitely take Bobby Miller. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if I knew he was there and he probably would have went much earlier had it been like we're using a software that had 2024 ADP, not 2023. I don't, I'm not sure I'm ready to ordain him over the, the group before. Sure. Are sure. you? Um, over I don't Sanga think Grayson? so. I don't think so. Maybe over Grayson for me. Uh, okay. Okay. I don't. I don't think about. I don't. I don't think so with Senga. That's uh, true. That's. I guess that's fair. Those, those ones are pretty. Cur- I mean, Bobby Miller throws like the fastball sat ninety nine, which yeah. is insane. Yeah. I'm just like looking up and down, and like none of the. It's like all of the pitches, right? Are, are and I think maybe that's why everyone loves him is because he yes. has this like polished deep arsenal. He has but a, when you he look has, at any of the pitches, he's another guy with with five pitches above a hundred stuff plus. Um, two of them above one thirty, 
Um, the other two, 123 and 117. So, like, all his pitches are really like, – yeah, he's a stuffus, and, like, if you make a pitcher in the lab, you make Bobby Miller sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That's why I think my even though the res- yeah, but you know sometimes the that gets put ahead of the results and the results while really good, it still was what just a twenty three percent K rate twenty four percent K rate last year, which is good but not ace worthy. Right, exactly. And then you know go- again going to the game logs, he- and now he did have two games with with nine strikeouts but he never had like a double digit like jaw dropper and so yeah i mean no doubt that this is this is a great pitcher i'm just wondering if it's just as much about the floor as it is the ceiling yeah. in a way i think the biggest thing for me for is 24 year old he threw 124 innings last year yeah uh, yeah the if you count i think he's had two starts in triple a too uh 138 so yeah no, this is this is a good group here. And then are we cooling off on Reagan's because the walks were so wobbly because he was a guy in the second half that we were like, holy smokes, 89 strikeouts and 71 innings. I we thought this a, would be the wide awake sleeper. Even though I didn't talk about even though I didn't take him, I made Nick talk about Cole Reagan's just cuz uh, we love him so much. He and I and you on our podcast and a lot of those walks came from the Royals just absolutely butchering his management and just leaving him in games, like letting him walk three guys in the seventh inning when he clearly didn't have it. Um, there was like, you know, sure, there, the walks went up in those last few starts, but a lot of them were like, what the hell? And maybe it was just like, hey, the Royals were like, look, like we really don't care what happens here. Like what matters is putting you in like the toughest situations possible and seeing how you do. And that might have just led to some walks <laughs> and just, yeah, just, yeah, uh, just that's what they just, the, what they did. And like, as long as he like didn't get hurt, like, you know, or, or, you know, was okay to pitch, like they did that. So despite that, um, yeah, I, I, I'm glad he's not going like 60th overall. I think maybe at this price I uh-huh. can get some shares. Um, at NFBC, he is going one uh, twentieth. So not that it, there was definitely a pitcherless tax for Reagan's, just because you know you, you yeah, have the right the to talk about him with, with <laughs> Nick on your podcast, even though I commandeered that and stole it anyway. Um, mm-hmm. At ADP one twenty, give me that all day. I'm still all in on Reagan's at that cost. Yeah, and the so this is a good example of like he gets way less extension on the fastball. It's two and a half miles per hour less than than Bobby Miller, but he gets more swing and miss with it. Like that's something I would love to just look yeah. into. Like, is that all location like that fast, he just locates just fast, it up? It's like I mean, it's just like shape too, right? Like that's just yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of what it is. And and yeah, probably location too. Reagan's like, you know, when he was spotting that like you know that's when nick would scream during all of his uh live streams <sighs> yeah. too and then the mix with the cutter and the change up too like it's a lot of it sequencing yeah, I pitch mean, mix yes yeah. he he's not unlike bobby miller that he's got like five pitches he goes to yeah, so yeah. yeah this would be this would be a really fun like uh just like a board bet uh, unfortunately we like them both but i, I mean just in who general, would you Steve, who would you go cost 
in a vacuum, you can only take one, Reagan's or Bobby Miller. I think I'm going Reagan's, man. Um, well, I mean, the wins sucks because that's kind of out of your yeah. hands. But mm-hmm. the, the fact that I know it's like really arbitrary, but I love going to Reagan's game log and seeing like 11Ks, 11Ks, multiple yeah, games yeah. with nine. Like it just seems like he's got that dog in him. <laughs> Whereas Miller, uh, it's like it's supposed to happen, but we haven't seen any of it yet at, at its best. Um there was a, a, a juicy schedule that that Reagan's did take advantage of. I remember for it, sure, you know, but I, but I don't remember the. So we struck out eleven Red Sox, and I thought yep. they had some decent discipline. Yeah, they're they're okay. Yeah, compared to yeah the Athletics, you can yeah. kind of throw that one out. But everybody faces those bad teams, man. Like yeah, I got you. And it's a and it's a good division to pitch in. It's a good park to pitch in. Um, you're not wrong. Like they're going to Bobby. Let's see. I mean, I guess he did have he had a pretty tough. Like when he got the when he got the Rockies, he struck out nine. Yeah. Anyway, they're both they're both close and similar in age, similar in kind of repertoire. So, yeah, I like them both. Um, we talked about Bradish. We can skip him. Yeah. I want to hear you talk about Michael King, uh, because obviously, I along with the rest of the world got swept away with him as like. The setup man who could be closer, long relief for the Yankees, like when he went on that ridiculous run. But then he sneaks in last year and and ends up getting nine starts. And I mean, Michael King has always got elite swing and miss stuff. So I guess the question becomes volume. Uh, But when he did start, he had one outing with 13 strikeouts against the Blue Jays. Uh, Like, could he be a video game number guy if things break the right way or do we have to temper expectations? I think that, you know, I, I don't know if you could just translate what he did in, in, in the pen to exactly, um, you know, his, his usage as a starter. Um, mm-hmm. But it wasn't like there was an unbelievable drop in fastball velocity. In fact, as the year went on and and when he was getting these starts, his fastball velocity went up. Uh, oh his fastball God. velocity was the highest in August and September when he was getting these starts, right? Like those starts all came in. Uh, I don't think there was one in July unless he was like an opener or anything like that. But yeah, all of those starts um, came from August 29th on. Um, and sure, he was really, he went seven innings once, six innings once, the rest of them were five, but mm-hmm. the velocity was higher than what it was in, in the pen. Um, I'm not going to use August cause there was really only one or two starts in August. That's when he was throwing 96. Um, but he was at 94, nine in September, um, and was throwing, you know, 94, 93, 94 um, in the bullpen in, in, in earlier months. Um, same for the sinker usage, too. The sinker was 94 in September, which is, you know, a really good pitch for him. It was 93 and a half, basically, the rest of the year out of the pen. So it's not like he had this, okay, I got to reel it in or anything like that. Again, there weren't many long starts. He went seven innings once, six innings once. The rest were around five. Um, mm-hmm. But... 
I, like I don't like, like there's no reason why he can't he do this. And good. overall, yeah. he got 102 innings. So like it's not like you know he's more built up than some of the prospects that we're going to be super excited about. So yeah, like he is just you know he was a stud in the second half. I, I, the sleeper in the bus did an episode back on this a, a two week ago. He was a stud second half pitcher. Um, I'm just looking at his Fangraph page and. And, and that that link came up, um, so uh, I, I just think that you, people might be concerned with the fact that you know he's this reliever. Is he going to start? Um, I think it's more that tells a story in the pitch mix change. He bumped up the sinker usage in August, September, um, cut down the sweeper usage. Like, yeah, sure, that's probably a product of of being, the transition, you know, the, the transition, yeah. right? He was like sweeper first, uh, mainly sweepers, um, sweeper sinker, then became like sinker, sweeper, fastball, mixing and change up. Like he has the starters arsenal. Like this is it. Like what were the Yankees doing? Not starting this guy uh, is, is my <laughs> right. question, right? Like, right? How, why right. did it take you to August to figure this out? Yeah, he's um, our secret weapon as we're yeah. like 10 games beneath 500. Yeah. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm looking at the roster resource now, and I know the Yankees are going to like, sign a guy. They're he's in the like SP3, though. But like, he's got it. He's got it. And I know that, um, you know, Cortez had a down year and should be back. But, like, he's got, like, he's one of the Yankees' better pitchers no matter who they sign. Like, he's got to be in yeah. rotation. Yeah. Yeah, the sweeper's really good. The fastball is really good, even though, yeah, I mean, 95, 96 miles per hour. Uh, the sinker, not great for being his most thrown pitch. Like, it would be nice if he moved away from it. But what are we talking about? Because when he's actually pitched, he's looked really good, and the numbers have too. So, yeah, if his, like, he went in our draft 138, that's like SP4, 5 territory, like, you're basically only asking for volume and more of what he's always shown us. So I, I really am in if it stays there. I'm curious if you've got ADP up. Did we did we say what Michael King is going at? He is going uh, 158, right, between mm. Merrill Kelly and Mitch Keller, um, just after Christian Javier, Jordan Montgomery, um, and then after him is Jose Barrios, um, Bailey Ober, Chris Sale, Carlos Rodon. Yeah, give me every yeah, Michael King I, share. I totally agree. Yeah, I don't think this is a, a set. I mean, there's got to be something with the sinker, too, um, just because he throws it so much and it was such a big part of his breakout. So um, probably That's true. something That's true. That, we're, that we're missing despite the average to below average um, batted ball results. Yep. All right, we got a few more names. We got to take our second ad break, and we'll be right back after this. Okay, so Steve, three more here. This is the kind of back end deep balls uh, past pick 200. Uh, the first one, another one that I grabbed in, in the draft was uh, Nick Pavetta at a, at a pick 217. Yeah, I, was wondering, I was wondering who grabbed him. I didn't see you put him on the rundown before I was going to throw my name in there, so. Yeah, so I I, I got to talk about him uh, this Friday as well. But um, Pavetta, man, you talk about uh, the game logs, like we've been saying. Uh, he had 10 Ks against the Orioles 
on his last start of the season. He had 10 Ks against the Yankees, which is a little less noteworthy. Had 10 strikeouts against the Mariners in a game. Struck out 13 athletics in a game. Uh, Pavetta had some jaw-dropping games for the Red Sox. And yeah, in the second half, it all pretty much looked fantastic. 73 innings, 102 strikeouts, a 330 ERA and a .96 whip, 35.4% strikeout rate, a 6.6% walk rate. I got to ask Steve, what am I missing, man? I, I know he's 30. I know it's Nick Pavetta and we can say that we've been down this road, but this is a pretty, uh, you know, it, it wasn't like a three game flash in the pan. This was 73 innings of basically looking like an SP1, SP2, and I got him after pick 200. What's what's Nick going to say to me other than this is Nick Pavetta? <laughs> uh, I don't know. He'll probably like break down something that's wrong with like, you know, the, the, the PLV. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. And like actually, because he's a genius with pitching, like know what is yeah, the, the metrics behind every slider. Every single pitch and like why it's not as good as it actually is, but yeah, I think it's probably just a bias against Nick Pavetta, and there probably shouldn't be. Like, you know, part of me like when he's first, it's like, oh, doesn't Nick Pavetta like do this every year? But then like looking at his stats, it was like, oh yeah, he does it, but you know, he gets his 175 strikeouts, but it comes with a 130 whip, but it's in like 150 innings and 180 innings with a 138 whip, but. This year was 183 strikeouts, 142 innings with a 112 whip. So, like, no, it wasn't the standard, you know, Nick Pavetta that, you know, did this and then blew up for, you know, did this for four weeks and then was well below average for the rest of the season. Um, He kind of just held it together. Um, Velocity up, kind yeah. of across the board, and it really didn't work. Like when when he was first a starter in April and May, and then was demoted to the bullpen. Um, like he was pretty pretty bad in it. He was horrible in April and May. He was probably dropped in most leagues, and then was in the bullpen for a while. And then post All Star break came out and was amazing. Uh, Thirteen strikeouts in his first post post All Star break game, um, and really didn't hold back from there. He had like one bad start, um, four runs at Washington. Uh, who would have thought that would be the bad start? Um, so there's not much to, to poke holes in like result wise in the second half. So yeah, I get it. But other than the fact that it's Nick Pavetta, I, I don't see, um, the reasoning as to why you shouldn't be in on him, at least as, as this flyer. Um, yeah, it's baked into the price, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, he ditched the slider a bit. It did come back towards, towards the end, uh, added a sweeper, um, that came into, uh, looks like it coincided with him, like, you know, being dropped in April, um, ditched his split finger to completely, um, so there was some pitch mix changes added in a cutter, um, in July, uh, and kind of had a, a decent four pitch mix where he threw, you know, four pitches at least 10% of the time. Um, got the so walks and five check actually for the most yeah. part. Yeah, yeah. Walks and check the, the chase chase rate went way up. Um, I wanted to see on velo. Yeah. I mean the velo across the board went up throughout the season. So 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know that he got really good whiffs on, on the sweeper. Yeah. So the sweeper was a really good addition to his repertoire. So maybe that that unlocked it. Uh, I know he didn't throw it that much, um, but uh, was a good weapon versus righties. Um, I'm just so. wondering, like my thing with Pavetta here, like re- recounting my. Um, I won't call it nightmares, but re- recounting when I've been grilled by Nick Pollock the past two years, the ones that I've held on to that I got right a couple years ago was Nestor Cortez and last year was Justin Steele. And both of them are these late guys who had, you know, all really strong results you should doubt him. Yeah. and all. Yeah. And, and, and everything looked good. And then it was just straight up like, yeah, not buying it. And it's like, you know, it's baseball. It's weird things happen, weird players emerge and, and look good. And it's like if Pavetta was 35, I would be way more skeptical or yeah. if something looked like disastrous. But we're talking about, you know, a handful of double digit strikeout games and an ADP or at least where I got him at 217. So, uh, yeah, I'd be curious where he's going uh, since you've got it pulled up. If third best where third best stuff plus in the second half. I mean, so what are we the, talking the pitch about? Pitch metrics. Um, it's a hoomst. Remove the yeah. name and and see if people get excited. Two hundred three. Two hundred three is his ADP. Okay. Yeah, I'm in on Pavetta. Uh, you say Kikuchi is the next one. Which man, we're still talking about him. He got picked at uh, two twenty three, and in the second half had seventy four and a third innings, eighty five strikeouts. A 3.39 ERA, the 125 WHIP, not as good. Uh, 27.6% strikeout rate and a 6.8% walk rate. Um, I was curious, Steve, with our little uh, Twitter interaction earlier tonight, what uh, Kikuchi's home home road splits were. Because uh, let me pull this up here. A tweet got sent our way from John Doe. Uh, 090. <laughs> so shot out there, John Doring, uh, talking to us about how Vlad struggles when we were breaking down the hitter episode was a lot due toward uh, the park updates at Rogers Center, and basically went on to show us everyone's home road splits on offense and how Rogers Center kind of killed the team. So my question is, if Kikuchi has been a beneficiary after posting pretty much his best season of his career. With 181 strikeouts over 167, a 386 ERA. Um, yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to be waiting in line to grab Kikuchi. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the home home splits, ERA was a little higher. Whip was a little bit lower. Uh, but the strikeout numbers were good. So, yeah, what do you think of Kikuchi was, here? Was much better, yeah. Um, I don't know. I... I, I, I I'm hesitant just because there's been such a long track record of him being like a low Toby. end char- low end cherry bomb. Like, yeah, I, I you know I guess the worst term for where there's more bombs than cherry uh, <laughs> um, with him. And there's been you know a lot of times where it looks like he's turned the corner, and this one has looked like the most sustainable and longest and best stretch of his career. Um, but that being said, um, I don't, you know, the, the stuff was just average throughout the 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 the, the, the second half. Um, 
you know, there, there's no one pitch that I'm like, oh, this is it for him. Um, and I just, you know, a, a guy that can hurt you and whip, have some blow up starts. I don't think the upside is there like it is with with Pavetta. Um, <laughs> he brought back the curveball this year, um, which is which is good. And you know, it's always seemed like he's just been trying to find that that right mix. And sure, um, the Blue Jays are pretty good with these guys, and they they get a good year out of them. Um, so I may miss out on you know what this second half was again, but I just don't know. I, I I'd rather take other flyers at that point um, with his ADP of two seventy three. Like, give me Mason Miller, um, even a guy like Sawyer Gibson Long, who's you know a, a few rounds later than him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or segue into to the final one. Chase Silseth is a guy that we liked near the end of last year. Uh, Silseth in 33 innings to kind of round out the season. He he got bumped with an injury, but 41 strikeouts during that time. He was kind of flashing big, big potential with uh, uh, 12 Ks against the Mariners, um, had 10 against the Yankees. He was starting to put it together. Then he, he slipped a little bit. Just curious uh, for a guy like Silseth, Steve, who we talked about plenty at the time, um, Kind of wobbled a bit with, uh, I think his command was, yeah, just an 11.8% walk rate. Not great. Um, is this a guy you're going to be targeting late in drafts? Because he was one, along with Reagan's, that the arrow went down when Reagan's went up. But what what are your thoughts on Silseth? I think I want to, and it's probably worth a flyer at pick 372. Like, that's like back end of your standard 12 teams, like maybe not even drafted. Um, territory. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an interesting article that came out by Sam Blum of the Athletic that um, Troy Percival uh, went to pitch uh, earlier this off season um, at at Angel Stadium, and he basically was like, "Yeah, I don't like all these iPads and all this information the way that they're doing anything." And then the Angels fired a few of their pitching directors and pitching coach, and it's just not. I, I basically I just don't want to touch anything. Angels now, <laughs> just a black uh, not hole. saying that that's a yeah, not saying that you know it's a bad thing or they won't you know develop pitchers now or you know pro analytics this and not no analytics whatever. Um, obviously, we're pro analytics on this podcast, but um, yeah, I, I, maybe that's a not of, a good a, reason. A lot of but unrest, yeah, unrest there's a lot of unrest and. Yeah. I don't know if I want to take my darts. Like you know, I, you have to choose your darts carefully at the end of the round. You only get so many of them. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, uh, give me a guy like Ricky Tiedemann a few picks later, or even Ooh, like uh, yeah, uh, you know. Um, honestly, I think I might like 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 an Alec Manoa bounce back uh, before uh, a Sil Seth. Okay. Yeah. I think that rounds us out, Steve. Uh, what's next for us? Uh, obviously. We we've got we've got the Pollock podcast, so maybe we we do a little bit of a breakdown of like draft takeaways coming up. Yeah, we could do our overall draft show. I know that's probably going to be on a bunch of shows on on OTC with people, so maybe we don't spend too much time on it. And we did a lot of it here too. Yeah, um, I'm thinking maybe the full board, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. of just big takeaways. Maybe pick, pick a few favorite picks uh, for overall. Biggest surprises, maybe some general trends, yeah, I, I like early that. trends, all that stuff. Like, rather yeah, than love deep it. dives into 
specific teams like like for doing on the NTC podcast. I like it. Let's do that. Yeah. Hey, this is what you guys get when you hang with us in the off season as we just plan our episodes with you. There you, you know? go. So weigh hey, in. If you, you guys have can, any yeah. yeah, if you have any ideas, tweet at us, whatever. Uh, we're here Absolutely. For yep. You guys can follow us on Twitter. Yep. At Winds Above Pod. I'm at Van underscore verified. And Steve is at Stav8818. By all means, reach out on Twitter. We are happy to throw some content, any burning questions you guys got onto the podcast in the offseason. We'll be here every other Thursday until we get closer to the season. Uh, but until then, that's it for episode 122. Thanks for talking baseball with us. Thanks, guys. Later.